Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating, her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Here in the studio with Peter Padilla, who is my guest and host of Nevada Real Estate Radio, and our sheriff, Darren Balaam. So good to see you again. You know, we're all experiencing COVID and all the things going on, and you hear about all these communities that are releasing felons out because they're afraid of COVID. Let's talk about how is that affecting our Washoe County jail system? So for us, uh, I am proud to say that uh, as of today, we have n not had a single case of COVID uh, exposure um, within the jail to date of somebody contracting it, not exposure, but to contract it. Uh, we've had several people come in who have had COVID. We've isolated them. We've taken the precautions with our medical provider and our uh, deputy sheriffs so that they didn't spread it throughout the inmates. And so, you know, they've been working hard, the employees up there, the medical provider, in screening and making sure when somebody does come in with it, we isolate them. So we have not had any exposure, but we've taken a lot of precautions. Uh, some of the things we've done is when uh, anybody comes in, before they even get out of the patrol car, our medical staff goes out, we screen them, we take their temperature. If they're showing any signs, we mask everybody up. Uh, and then when they come in, right now, thank goodness, we have enough room in our facility because our count's a little low, um, is everybody's isolated. So if we were all arrested on the same day, we are segregated into one area and we come out for seven days at the same time for tier time for eating. And then after that seven days, if we show no signs and symptoms, we are sent into what we call our general population. If we do, then we, we test you and we've tested multiple inmates and we keep you isolated even longer. Uh, and then as this is progressing, again, because of our county, unfortunately, still being in the red and having a high exposure rate, uh, now anytime inmates move throughout our facility, they have to wear a mask. We've had to go to court several times and we've had inmates try to say, well, I have a autoimmune disease or, or issue and I need to be released. Uh, and once we show the judges every precaution that we've taken, uh, I'm proud to say again that we've kept those individuals in. They don't mm -hmm. need to be released. They're there for a reason. Uh, so we haven't had to release any people because of COVID yet. Um, that, not to say that that may down the road, but again, I think with the precautions that we've taken, uh, the safety of both employees and the inmates are our number one priority. And so uh, those are some of the things we've changed and we anticipate they'll probably be around for a long time. Yes, COVID is new, but we have to isolate and quarantine because of influenza. So right before COVID hit in about November of last year, we had to shut a whole housing unit down because we had an outbreak of the influenza. So this isn't something new. Some of the steps we've implemented are new, but as far as isolating and cleaning and, and making sure that facility as safe as possible for the inmates and the staff. We've always done that. So those are some well, of the steps we've taken. So I would think the big message is if you're concerned about uh, getting COVID in jail, don't end up in jail. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, again, if, we, if yeah. we break it down, those that may be living on the street or whatever, a lot of times they'll say right now the best place to be is in jail. Mm -hmm. Oh, because I'm it's, sure. it's safer yeah. with exposure. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they've done a great job. So you, you said something that was interesting. You said your numbers are down. 
We were talking about the real estate and people make decisions on why would I relocate to Reno or Northern Nevada or even Nevada, period. And one of those big decisions is how safe is our community? So why do you think the numbers are down and, and which numbers are down? So what, what numbers are down are, are low-level crimes, our misdemeanors. So when COVID broke out, what we asked all the agencies since we book everybody arrested in Washoe County comes to our facility, we asked them uh, typically if, let's say you showed up at a simple battery uh, where you may, before COVID, make an arrest, we're asking them to cite uh, and do citations and put them through the court system that way. Uh, so if they don't have to um, arrest them, cite, cite them or give them a verbal warning. So we've asked for a lot more discretion on our low level, which uh, law enforcement has. So again, if you're on a traffic citation, say somebody's uh, driving rec recklessly where you may arrest them before, maybe you give them a citation this time. So that what we have in our facility, and it's increased by 5% this year compared to last, is our felons. So those individuals are violent crimes. We're still housing them. They're still being arrested. But your low-level crimes now, we're using more discretion than all agencies have, and that's why our numbers have dipped, but they're now they're creeping back up. We're at 850 today. Uh, typically, take out COVID, we'd be about 1,100, um, and so that's where we're at right now. Are you finding, you know, it's just great news for our community that the Eddie House finally has, you know, overnight shelter for youth. Are you finding that that is also impacting your numbers, that we're getting these young people off the streets at night because they have an overnight shelter? I would say absolutely that. And last year, uh, as you remember when I was on the show before, I talked about that warm handoff. And so we started a thing called the Detention Services Unit, where now when somebody comes in for those low-level crimes, we'll work with the Eddie House, we'll work with Hopes, we'll work with Awaken, a lot of the nonprofits, and try to find them a bed. And then we'll have a plan in place before they get released. So when they get released, we'll actually now go to court, our deputies. The courts and judges know it. And we'll say, inmate A, we have a bed form at this facility. And we'll actually, um, if you remember, I would say before, we'd just give you a bus pass if you had no money and say, good luck, make it down to Eddie House. Now, we'll transport you down there. And so since we stood that up last April, the expansion of Eddie House and a lot of other nonprofit or providers in the area, um, our average daily population was reduced by 100 inmates per day. Nice. Um, which is a huge soft dollar savings for this. <laughs> but I think what it shows is when you collaborate with our service providers, the community, and law enforcement, uh, those individuals that are creating low-level crimes, you know, the jaywalking, the urinating in public, those type of crimes that typically would be arrested, sent to our jail. Now, if we hook them up with providers, and we're bringing the services in our jail before, so we have walkabouts now. So Eddie House will actually come into a facility. We'll have them go into a housing unit. They'll explain exactly what the Eddie House is, what services they can do, and then we're having a tablet program, pilot program in our jail now. So all of those forms are in there. The inmates can check out a tablet, and they can start signing up for them, and they can find services, and then our DSU will, will assist. They'll uh, assess all the inmates coming in of who they can help and then work with the courts in that collaboration with the expansion is exactly why I believe that, you know, our numbers are going down uh, for low level. Unfortunately, our, our violent crimes, you know, those people in our facility, but that's what the facility is meant for is those exactly. violent crimes. Let's get them off the street. Right. So uh, I'm really glad to be here with you, Sherry, on your radio show to talk with the sheriff and yourself about some of the things that go through my head and uh, some of the questions I get asked in these days. Sheriff Bailey, how about the homeless situation along the river? I heard there was some effort and maybe some success recently in cleaning some things up within the city limits. Once we go beyond the city limits, is that an area of patrol 
for the Washoe County Sheriff's? It is. So last year um, in Sparks, in East Sparks, right along the river, right by um, the businesses along, right before by Vista off-ramp, yeah. uh, it was called um, End of World Camp. There was a sh big, big shack there, right? Big shack, and there was about 15 people uh -huh. that, had, that had been pushed from the cities to there. Right. And so uh, before, we had never really engaged in a lot of this over the history. Sometimes we would do river sweeps, the sheriff's office, and go clean the river. Uh, but we coordinated, we worked with Reno, and because they are involved a lot on a daily basis. And so we brought services out last year. We brought BLM because it's BLM property that they were on. That would be Bureau of Land Management. Bu sorry, sorry, yep, Bureau of Land Management. And we actually went out three times. The first uh -huh. time we told them, hey, you can't camp here. Offered them services, said we'd be back. Came back again with the service providers, offered them services and said, we'll be back in a week. And you know we're gonna evict you off this land. And then we came back again and we cleaned that whole area up. And then BLM uh, this summer, I believe they're still, but again, COVID has kind of thrown a, a wrench in mm -hmm. it. They were gonna put some um, riprap rock mm -hmm. along the riverbanks. I, in this year's budget, was funded two deputies and a sergeant to deal just with the homeless. Um, I won't have those bodies online until probably around January. Sparks, if you saw, just started, I believe it's the HOPE team, and Reno has a team. So the idea is, once I have my bodies, to, we've been talking with the two chiefs uh, for the entire river, because what happens is if Reno does a sweep, they get pushed to Sparks. Sparks right. does a sweep, they'll go to the county. Exactly. So when we all have our teams, Kind of like some of our other regional teams we realigned earlier this year, we'll realign, and I don't know what we would call it, but their regional homeless outreach team so that we don't just push them from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And what we've seen over the last year and a half is as they've been hitting the river, now in the back of some of the unincorporated areas, um, Sun Valley is an example. If you go back in the northern end of Sun Valley by the middle school, mm -hmm. I have 10 to 15 camps back there now. And if you talk to them, they've been pushed to those areas. So hopefully yeah. this regional team, that's what we're gonna try to do. I'm gonna pick up this conversation, have more questions for Sheriff Balaam. Hello, I'm Brian Cushing, Senior Loan Officer at Guild Mortgage. I love talking about my specialty, the mortgage world, and how we help families in Northern Nevada accomplish their dreams of home ownership. Make sure you totally understand before you sign on the dotted line. Guild Mortgage Company is an equal housing lender. Company NMLS number 3274. NV Banker number 1076. NV Broker number 1141. Brian Cushing NMLS number 303045. Telephone number 775-453-0345. Located in 6990 South McCarran Boulevard, Suite 200. Reno, Nevada 89509. All loans subject to underwriter approval. Terms and conditions may apply. Subject to change without notice. We're still in business and the sun keeps on shining. SunTech Solar Screening makes your home cooler, more comfortable, and energy efficient. 2245093 or visit suntechsolarscreens.com. SunTech Solar Screens. One, two, three, four. The Four Kids Foundation's fourth annual golf tournament, Friday, September 18th at the exciting Wolf Run Golf Course in Reno. Sponsor, participate, and support. Get all the details and register at fourkidsfoundation.org or call 775-741-5231. Save the date for the Four Kids Foundation's fourth annual golf tournament, Friday, September 18th at Wolf Run Golf Course. Natakwa, Natakwa News, the original, entertaining, informative, and historic publication. Natakwa News is a community newspaper with good news, history, travel, and fun. Fun for all ages. Natakwa News, pick up your copy today. Natakwa. 
Welcome back and thank you for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show. Have Sheriff Balaam joining us today and Peter Padilla and we're just trying to catch up with what's going on with the Sheriff's Office. We're in strange times. Just making sure that the Sheriff's Office is still going strong and during the special session AB3, you know, across the country everybody wants to defund the police, you know, hurt law enforcement, but let, let's talk about how did that affect your office? Um, so, you know, the whole movement, AB3, uh, instituted several things. And for the most part, I will tell you, our agency, we had a lot of it already implemented. Um, so it, it banned chokeholds. Sheriff's Office, we don't use chokeholds. Only time we will use a chokehold is what we call an exceptional use of force. So if I'm in a fight uh, for life or death with my life, uh, and that's all I have, that's when we could use it. So uh, with the banning and the new AB3 of, you know, you can't use chokeholds or put your knee on somebody, again, we never train that. So for us, this was something that's not new. Uh, we can only use it if deadly force was justified. So uh, that's one thing. The, the other thing uh, was a redefinition of our deadly use of force policy of, of how we apply deadly force. And again, we, uh, and I, I'll say in this whole community, but at the sheriff's office, we already had that implemented, and every single year we've been training on that. Um, and we're not perfect, and we're going to make some errors here and there, but when it comes to deadly force, that's something we, we have to put a lot of training in because you're talking about the person's life if you make an error. Uh, and then the other one was intervention uh, or tap out. And again, we actually have had this in our policy, and this year's training, which was developed back in October of last year, we have a scenario that we've been training where we have uh, deputies come in. The scenario is we have an, a, an officer or a deputy uh, wrestling with somebody and their knees on a person's neck. This was done before even George Floyd's incident occurred. And we are seeing if our deputies are going to come in and recognize that this deputy is using excessive force and intervene and tell them to get out. If they don't, then we put in through remediation. We discuss what did you see? What were you focused on? Because we put some items in there so if they come into a situation, it's not totally obvious to them because we want them to assess. Um, so we already had that in place. Uh, the policies of eight can't wait, which some of our reform came from, every one of those policies we had already in. Um, reporting somebody that has excessive use of force. We have our internal affairs. We expect our people to report if they see an excessive use of force. Um, so uh, we had that, the data, which was not part of the AB3. Uh, uh, we will hopefully, fingers crossed, in the next month, we will have on our webpage, we're rebuilding it with the county right now, it will have all of our arrests, our citations, our use of forces. We'll break them down by race. We'll break it down by race of deputies applying that. We'll break uh, our use of forces down by what type of force. So we're going to have all that out there. Now, they didn't have that in AB3, but what they did have is by November 1st, we have to report back to the Legislative Council Bureau uh, what systems we use to identify your driver's license. Uh, and that is usually, and we're, we're still trying to figure it out what systems, but that's what we call our Brazos. That's if you get a ticket, the little computer we use to identify you and write your ticket, that, that system identifies your driver's license. Uh, the other is um, uh, our, what we call J-Link, and J-Link is our, our computer-aided dispatch system, and that's where if I run you and I, uh, our dispatcher will put your name in there, that's how, again, we'll get your driver's license, and I can query that. Uh, we have to report that back to the what we call the LCB, Legislative Council Bureau, by November, and then we'll see what comes in February. We know there may be more changes coming. Uh, when it comes to officer-involved shootings, uh, you know, our community, and what I've told people is we're a community protector, community listener. 
and they've said since George Floyd, and even before, we want the videos of officer-involved shootings released in a much more timely fashion. Washoe, Reno, and Sparks all responded to that. We heard, and we put that out before there was even a law implemented. I think that's why you didn't see that in AB3, is we communicated with our uh, assembly and Senate representatives uh, throughout the state because down in the southern part of the state, they do release those within 14 days. Uh, so all of our policies are within 14 to 30 days up here. And as you've seen in the last two officer-involved shootings, they've released those those videos in a timely fashion. I think that's helped the community. That builds that trust and that transparency. Thank you for being here today to kind of share your messages out there that, you know, you guys are here to help us and protect us and make this a wonderful community. How blessed we are that we aren't in these big urban cities where there's a lot of crime and stuff going on. Now, I know as a citizen, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know that's going on. Is that a good thing? <laughs> Probably, right? <laughs> but Peter, did you have a question? Well, or? you know, I'm looking at the Washoe County Sheriff's website right now, and uh, it's nice to see that it's really accessible to myself, to the community. One of the things I noticed when I went there first, Sheriff Balaam, is that you have uh, job opportunities at the Washoe County Sheriff's Office. I'd like to know a little bit about that. So we, we although the Washoe County as a whole is in a hiring freeze, uh, we've been allowed because law enforcement's so important, uh, we are hiring deputy sheriffs. Uh -huh. uh, so we just started an academy a month ago. Yeah. Uh, we have 13 new deputy sheriffs in there. And uh, in January, we'll be hiring at least, hopefully, another 20 uh, deputy sheriffs. So if you're interested, you know, you can apply there. Some of the good things we've done is you actually now, if you can't come make the test, we test throughout the entire year. And you can actually either pay to take the test or we have laptops, we can come to you. This is Sherry Hill and I'm talking with Sheriff Darren Balaam. And one of the things we were talking about is, you know, are people still as excited to become law enforcement? That's one question I have for you. And then I know you also have some other volunteer opportunities. Let's talk about that. So first, are people still excited? Our numbers have decreased. Um, we have seen several individuals uh, that have left early before they hit the retirement age. Um, I think, you know, the COVID, everything going on has caused people to kind of pause and question. But what I tell everybody is you're getting into this profession. We're, you know, we're asked to wear many hats. But at the end of the day, when you go out and you touch somebody's life and you make that difference, that is why we join this profession. And so, yes, there is going to be difficult times, but we have broad shoulders. We can handle those times. Uh, but you're getting in to make that difference. And so we're still seeing applicants come in. Uh, we're doing different ways of trying to, you know, show them what we do. Uh, highlight, you know, one of the things that the Sheriff's Office we've done is a lot of social media. Um, I look at that as every single day we have men and women that are doing great things, even not just deputy sheriffs. I have a whole huge civilian staff. They're doing great things. You know, we're, we're, we're buying bikes for families. We're doing drive-by parades. Uh, we're doing a lot Christmas in July. We're doing so many events uh, that touch people's lives. And when you see that joy, that's what makes you want to be in this profession. That's why you join. And so we're doing that. Do you think that, I mean, when you think about all the communities across our country, even around the world, but across our country, I mean, that's really the bulk of how law enforcement interacts within the community, 
right? I mean, so the media is giving all the attention to, oh, we have the bad out here. But I would say if you looked at every single sheriff's office, marshals, police, they're very involved in the community in a positive way. Absolutely. You know, we do so many different things that I think a lot of communities, if you're not in, if we're, if we're working with one community, uh, you may not know. And we traditionally have never shared that unless the media comes and we've invited the media. So that's why we've, you know, what I've told our office is we're going to tell our own story through social media and let the community know that there's a lot of great things doing. And, and that comes to our volunteers. I have over 700 plus volunteers. So my total staff is 731 and I have almost the same amount of volunteers and that's, you know, search and rescue. I have so many men and women and I think the community doesn't realize I pay for two people out of that group, which is about almost 200 to 250. It fluctuates volunteers. So when you see people that are flying their airplanes, I don't pay for those airplanes. When you see people on their UTVs or, you know, four wheelers, I don't pay for any of that equipment. That's their personal equipment. They're doing it because they love it. They like to go mm -hmm. search. They like to go in the wilderness. They like to help people. Mm -hmm. um, I have what's called CERT, Community Emergency Response Team. So when you see the rodeo, right now I have CERT members that are doing temperature checks for us at the front of the uh, front when you walk in the sheriff's office. When you see critical events, uh, rodeos, and you see the people with the, the CERT vests that are lime green, those are all volunteers. We train them on critical events, uh, basic first aid, how to help on traffic events if we have flood fires, whatever. And so we call that those individuals to come out and we use them all the time. Um, New Year's Eve, some major events. If we think we need just additional eyes and ears, they're trained on awareness. So we'll send them some of our key infrastructure and they'll just walk around and monitor. Um, I have Citizens Homeland Security Council. So if you're into terrorism and counterterrorism, not terrorism, counterterrorism. Um, we train you on all of that to be our eyes and ears and look for stuff and be our eyes and ears out in the community. So that's a volunteer group you can get involved with. Um, so we have so many different groups. Um, I have a community engagement group that I just put together. Um, and that's to build relationships with the community, various communities. So it's a diverse cross-section and how we can go out and engage the community better or in events and how we can educate those communities, whether you know it doesn't matter if it's a minority community, person of color, whatever, of something on the sheriff's office. Because again, if I'm doing a series right now on what's the difference between police and sheriffs, because there's a major difference. Um, and people don't realize those differences. You know, We get lumped in together. And there's, there's some major differences that sheriff's office have. And you guys uh, cover a lot bigger territory, that's for sure. So people that want to find out about how to uh, learn more about what's going on for the sheriff's office. I know I can like you on Facebook now because you're going to push out and tell yep. us all the good stuff you're doing. Do they go to your website? They can go to our website, so WashoeCountySheriff.com. You can go on there and it has all the information. It has all our bureaus, how you apply, how you can volunteer for the certain volunteer groups, how you can get engaged. You can just call our normal non-emergency line. Uh, you can walk in the front doors of the front desk and say, how do I get involved? you can flag down a deputy sheriff and they will tell you. So there's so many Twitter and Instagram or other social media platforms we're on. So we're out there. Uh, we get messages all the time. We get emails. Um, and that's the way a person, if they want to know what we do, how they can get involved, are some of the means and mechanisms, or if they want us out at a certain thing, uh, you know, I encourage them, please get on there and let us know.
And what I love also, <laughs> Sheriff Balaam, is how accessible you are. So thank you for being here. I hope our listeners understand that, you know, you are uh, core within the community. We need to support you as you support us. And so I just want to thank you for representing us so well here in northern Nevada. And, and if people don't say it enough, we appreciate you. Well, thank you. And again, I want to tell you and everybody out there, uh, we have seen that support. And thank you for all that support. I know the men and women truly appreciate that. So thank you for having me. Okay. This is Sherry Hill. You've been tuned into the Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show. Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own, or worse, using one of those $99-plus state fee sites? First, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put a proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started in the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779 or visit sageintl.com. Tune in to Nevada Real Estate Radio, Thursday, 3 p.m. right here on 1180 AM Radio, Nevada Real Estate Radio.